All right. Everybody grab your Bibles. Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. Let's look in verse number 12. Verse number 12. Acts chapter 2, verse number 12. All right. Everybody grab your Bible. Everybody got an outline? Everybody got an outline? Wants an outline? Needs an outline? Okay. All right. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 12. Uh, we'll just we'll just read a few verses and then we'll pray and I'll I'll, I'll bring you up to speed. All right, Acts two twelve. If you're there, say amen. amen. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, "What meaneth this?" Say that with me. What meaneth this? What meaneth this? Others mocking said, "These men are full of new wine." But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them. Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? How many of y'all glad of that? Amen. Amen. Ye men of Israel... Hear these words, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. How's this for a convicting sermon? Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now, that would never fly in our non-offensive sermon culture of today. Uh, when nobody wants to be offended, don't say nothing negative. Be, be, you know. Anyway, we'll get back to that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be, to be saved. To know that our name is in the Lamb's book of life. We're in, we, we are on our way to heaven. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of all these folks today to, to share your word and just break it down and, and just find out some things that's going to help us to be better Christians tomorrow than we were today. Lord, I pray that you'll develop us. Father, I pray that you'll uh, encourage us. I pray that you'll edify us, build us up, strengthen us, build our faith. Lord, I pray that as we, as we just study and learn and grow, uh, Lord, that you will convict us too, challenge us. Uh, Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, I pray for that one that's discouraged tonight. Just lift them up. I pray for that one that's just doubting. Lord, I pray that you'll remove that doubt and strengthen their faith. And Lord, whatever the need is for each and every person, I pray that you'll meet it tonight. And God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. All right, now let's let's kind of let's kind of update and and bring everyone up to speed to where we are here in this particular chapter. It's the day of Pentecost. The Spirit has come. Uh, uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've talked about that—the indwelling of the Spirit, 
the baptizing of the Spirit, where the Spirit places every believer into the body of Christ, the spiritual body of Christ, and, and they are filled with the Spirit, and God sends a miracle. This miracle is uh, the ability to speak in languages that you have not previously learned. They were speaking and they were talking and, and proclaiming the great blessings of God, the great works of God, the goodness of God. And, and there were nationalities from all over the world that were there and they heard them speak in their own native tongue. What a miracle. It was the coolest thing. How many of y'all like to get up one morning and be able to speak Portuguese? You know, I mean, just all of a sudden, boom, it, just out of a miracle, you could, you could speak whatever it was that whether it was Spanish, whether it was Russian, whether it was uh, uh, Japanese, God allowed this to take place. Now, how many of y'all know that if this took place in a big crowded area, this is going to cause a stir? I mean, they heard the wind. You know, we we have this uh, manifestation, the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Uh, we, We see all of this taking place. And it's causing a stir, it's causing a commotion, and people are coming from everywhere. People are coming from everywhere. And the first thing that happens, the first thing that happens, there's, it, it amazes them. They don't know what's going on. They're, they're confused. Uh, uh, they're trying to figure all this out. What in the world is happening? How is this happening? Or what is happening? And then some are doubting. And they just start mocking him. And they say, well, they're just, they're just drunk. They're all just drunk. They've done, they done got a hold of some wine. And, 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 and they're just speaking out of their head. They're just drunk. Now, I ain't never seen a drunk man be able to speak languages he ain't never previously learned. Are y'all with me? So that was ignorant right off the start. And, and the new wine, which is even more ignorant, that the new wine was, was unfermented. So that wouldn't make you do it anyway. Are y'all with me? But here's the thing. Anytime God does something and does something in a great way, the world's got to figure out a way to explain it away. You got to do that. You got to do that. Because if, if God did it, then that means there's a God. And if there's a God, that means there's some rules. And if there's some rules, that means I'm in trouble. Y'all with me? And so they try to explain it away. They try to say, oh, this is just, you know, a bunch of people that, that, that couldn't hold their wine and, and, and they're, they're just drunk. Well, Peter stands up and he addresses the deal. And, and, and this, is, this is a different Peter than you have seen before. This is, this is, this is, this is not the pre-spirit Jesus. This is the post-spirit Jesus, this anointed, amen? And he's got purpose and he's got power and he's got the touch of God on him. And so he begins to address the situation. And that's where we find ourselves here in Acts chapter number 2. All right? We see this, and and the Bible says, and they were all amazed, verse 12, and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Now he begins to explain, okay? It says, for these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. He said, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, people. This is not, this is not a, a drunken issue. Now, he says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel. Now, let's go, into our, let's go into our outline. 
Got a lot of outline to cover, so let's go ahead and jump into it so we don't run out of time. Number one, first we see the Spirit explained. The Spirit explained. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to have to explain some things to unbelievers. Y'all with me? I mean, it, it, does the Bible not say, does the Bible not say, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you? Are y'all with me? Now, let me say that again. Let me say that again. Some of y'all a little slow tonight. You didn't get your coffee tonight. I can tell that right now, okay? Y'all stay with me. Be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, all right? So you need to be able to explain Explain what? Explain why you have hope in hopeless times. Explain why you have grace and you have peace when everything's falling apart around you. Are y'all with me? Explain why you're not dependent on the politics of Washington to determine your peace and sanity and your destiny and your future. Somebody say amen. Amen. We got to be able to explain some things. We got to be able to explain some things. We got to be able to explain the spiritual aspect of our lives and what's going on in our life. And we have to explain it. Now, he is fixing to explain what they don't understand. Are y'all with me? Now, here's here's (laughs) here's the most important part. Now, this is not alliterated. This is not alliterated. Uh, but I, I wrote it down as I had it in my head. All right. So, so this, you're going to get the redneck version of the outline. Say amen. So first I want you to see this when he is explaining what's going on, when he is explaining what's happening. All right. This spiritual issue, when he's explaining this first thing I want you to write down, I want you to see the use of scripture, the use of scripture. Now this is, this is critical. This is critical because I see way too many Christians saying this. Now, now, if this was modern day Christians, this is what Peter said. Now, this, this, now what, what had happened was, I think what's going on is, he didn't do that because what you think is irrelevant. Man, y'all quiet tonight. Your opinion does not matter. So when you go explaining things to your friends or explaining things to the unconverted and the, and the unbeliever, you got to use the Bible. There's no power in your theories. There's no power in your preferences. There's no power in your opinions. There's no power in what you think. But there is power in God's Word. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And when Peter goes to explaining what is going on, the very first thing he does is go to the word. Are y'all with me? He uses a scripture. Now, this is, this is significant. This is significant. This is not in your notes, but let me just lay this on you. Do you realize that the whole time that Jesus is walking and talking with these guys, the whole time that, that, that he's, he is spending and training and discipling them and, 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 and developing them in them three years, they are really clueless. I mean, they're confused. When they got arrested, they're like blown away. What is happening? What is happening? What is happening? Because they didn't get it. They didn't understand. All right? They, didn't, they weren't fully understanding the significance of the Old Testament scriptures in Jesus from the law. Are y'all with me? 
But what took place? After the resurrection, for 40 days, Jesus spent time with them, expounding unto them the scriptures. If you go back, if you go back and remember the couple on the road to Emmaus, are y'all with me? If you will look at that pattern, what did Jesus do? He took them through the law. He took them through the Old Testament. He took them through the prophets and began to explain how all of these things must come to pass. He began to explain how all these things were necessary, that the Messiah had to come, but he had to, be, he had to suffer and he had to be crucified and raised from the dead. Say amen. Now where'd they get all that? Now let's keep in mind, Let's keep in mind, remember what we said last week? Remember what we said last week? These were ignorant and unlearned men. They were not seminary graduates. Y'all with me? They were fishermen. Peter was a cussing fisherman. But yet he's quoting the Old Testament. How much, how much Bible study you reckon they did in them 40 days? Because he's explaining through the prophets, through the Old Testament. It was basically the only scripture they had. Are y'all with me? And he took the scripture. Say amen. amen. Do you remember, do you remember when in the book of Acts, do you remember when, when Philip, when he, when he meets the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot and, and, and he's reading about the lamb, somebody say, man. He said, who's he talking about? Himself or some other man? And he said, at the same scripture, he began to teach and preach Jesus. Nope. This is good. He takes the scripture. He says, let me explain to you what's going on. Let's go to the Bible. And he starts quoting scripture. He takes the word to explain what's happening. And guys, let me tell you this. We got to be able to do that. And this don't fly because my preachers say it. Y'all with me? Because their preacher may say something else. You got to tell them what the big preacher says. Are y'all with me? Now let's, let's keep on. Let's keep on. Look what it says. The prophet Joel... The prophet Joel, he, he explains what's going on, people. This is that that was talked about by the prophet Joel. Is this, what, this is what Joel said. So he begins to quote, he begins to quote from the book of Joel. It says, and it shall come to pass in the... All right, now I, I put here too. Now write this down. I write this down. Uh, this may seem insignificant, but I don't think it is. So you need to get this. The last days, verse 17. When he's explaining what's taking place, he goes to the scripture and he talks about the last days. Now, ever since I've been born, ever since I've been born, I've heard preachers, pastors, evangelists, teachers, Sunday school teachers all the time. We're in the last days. We're in the, we're in, we're in the last of the last days. But do you realize, biblically speaking, that the last days began with the arrival of Christ? Now, let me give you a couple verses. Let me give you a couple verses. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, little children. Now, this is John speaking way back then. Are y'all with me? Way back then. It is the, come on, it is the, 
You know what John's saying there? We're in the, we're in the last days. All right. First Peter one twenty, who verily was foreordained. Now Peter's speaking way back then. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. Okay. Hebrews one one through one through two. God, who at sundry times means different times, separate times, and in divers manners, different ways, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Primarily speaking about the Old Testament, the law. Hath in these spoken unto us by his. You see, the last days was when Jesus was on this earth. That began it. And I put, I put a couple things down there right underneath the last days there just to kind of help you get your mind wrapped around it. The last days commenced with the ministry of the Savior. When Jesus arrived, when the Messiah arrived, it initiated the beginning of the end. Are y'all with me? Say amen. When it comes to the redemptive plan of God, Jesus began the last days. Okay? Now, so the last days continued with the outpouring of the Spirit. And the last days concludes with the revelation of the signs. Now, this is why I'm telling you this. This is why I'm telling you this. When we read what Joel said, what we, when we read what Joel said, y'all with me? Everybody paying attention? This is important. You're going to miss it if you don't pay attention right here. When we read what Joel says, Joel is referencing the whole last days, not just what was happening at Pentecost. Y'all with me? Now, how many of y'all was here during the Revelation study? Now, all those supernatural, those supernatural signs, the, 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 the moon turning to blood and the stars and all that, does that sound like familiar language? Now, when is that? That's during the tribulation period. So Joel is speaking of not just, not just what is happening, because a lot of times people will read this and they will say, he, everything that Joel wrote in that particular section of, of verses has to do with only Pentecost. That's not true. It has to do with the entire block of the last days. It includes what's happening in the tribulation period because there was no, there was no heavenly signs. There was no heavenly signs like the, 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 the blood and the, and, the, and the sun and all of that that we read here in Joel. None of that happened at Pentecost. That's not going to happen till the, the second coming of Christ in the tribulation period. Does that make sense? Amen. So when we read this, understand that he's talking about all of the last days and Pentecost. What is taking place right here at Pentecost is kind of like a small version of what's going to be during the millennial reign. If that makes sense, say amen. So we're looking at kind of a preview, a preview at Pentecost of what's going to be when Christ returns and the millennial reign begins and everybody is ushered into the kingdom. All right, now, let's read it. Let's read it. He says, he says, it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit upon. Come on. Now, look at this. Look at C. We see the use of scriptures by, he's explaining the spirit with the use of the scriptures. He talks about the last days. He explains the last days. And now he speaks about the outpouring of the spirit. Now, what is significant about this? What is significant about this? It's not just upon kings, and it's not just upon priests, and it's not just upon prophets, and it's not just upon heroes. Are y'all with me? You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit wasn't on everybody. 
It wasn't on everybody. It was only on special people with special purposes. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And it would come and go. It would come and go. One of the greatest illustrations of this is Samson. The Bible said the spirit of God would fall mightily upon him. You know, the spirit of God would come upon him and he'd do incredible supernatural feats. And, and, and David, David said in his prayer when he sinned with Bathsheba, he said, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. The spirit came and went in the Old Testament. But what Joel is prophesying is there's going to come a time when God's going to put his spirit on everybody, not just special people with special purposes. If that makes sense, say amen. He quotes from the prophet Job, which said that he would give his spirit to all ranks and classes of people, not just for a select few men and women, young and old, even social status did not matter. It was for all who would believe. Now, now watch what Moses says in Numbers eleven twenty nine. Moses said unto him, envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. In other words, if everybody had it, it'd be great. Guess what? What he's saying has just come to pass. Now, everybody has an opportunity to have the spirit in them. All right. Now, Peter is saying in, in, in verse number 33 that Christ ascended and he sent the spirit to cause what they are seeing and hearing. Let me read verse 33 and then we'll, we'll flip back. Therefore, being exalted by the right hand of God and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. What you are seeing is what Jesus promised when he would leave. All right, look what it says, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, say it with me. I will send him unto you. John 14, 16 and 17. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may. How long? Not no coming and going, but for forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and? Somebody say amen. amen. He's going to be in you. He's, he said, Joel said that God's going to give everybody the Holy Ghost, not just select few. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. You see how he's covering the whole spectrum of the last days, all the way up into the tribulation period, into the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Does that make sense? Say amen. All right. Now, and it shall come to pass, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, now, here's, here's, this is, this is kind of, kind of, what everybody needs to understand. Uh, I'm, I'm, I love the fact that God gives us strength. I love the fact that God gives us power. How about y'all? He gives us what we need. It says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. All right? But we've got to remember, we've got to remember, every miracle... Every miracle 
every episode of power, if you will, was for the sole purpose of pointing people to Jesus. Now, here's what happens. In sermons or speeches, lessons, you want to have a really killer intro. All right, you really do. You want to just pop people in the mouth. Pow, right off start. Get their attention, right? Wake them up. Everybody's coming in half asleep. You want to have this real awesome, you know, either emotional or powerful intro just to get everybody's attention. How powerful do you reckon that intro was? I mean, it's miraculous. They're they're dumb, ignorant fishermen speaking in 17 different languages that they hadn't previously learned. How's that for an intro? All right, basically the Spirit of God set it on the tee for it. And he explained, he said, let me tell you what this is. This is what the prophet Joel said this is. According to script, in other words, he's saying, according to scripture, what you're seeing is this. But watch what it did. It gave him the opportunity to talk about Jesus. God, God doesn't give you power just so you can stay sane in this insane world. God doesn't just give you power to keep your teenagers in check. God, God doesn't give you power so you can gain prosperity. I don't care what the prosperity preachers are saying. God will give you power and he will touch your life and put his favor on you so you can point people to Jesus. Are y'all with me? So first, number one, we see the spirit explained. Then number two, write this down. Write this down. We see the savior expounded. He said, let me tell you something today. All of that, all that you see, all that is being represented here is for the purpose of me being able to tell you about a man. (laughs) We're all going to figure out sooner or later in your Christian life that none of this is about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Look what he says. Look what he says. Next verse, verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. In other words, he's saying, pay attention. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind the way he presents this and he starts this out. Nazareth, you remember what they said? Can any good thing come from So he is presenting the humble Jesus. All right? I mean, he's he's setting them up. Are y'all with me? This one that you didn't think a whole lot of. This one that you, y'all with me? Come on. He didn't start out, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, the exalted one whose name is above every name. No, he didn't start like that. Y'all remember that one that came from Nazareth? Mm-hmm. He's pulling them in. Watch what he says. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. That's the humility. You didn't think much of him, but watch what he said. A man approved of God. You know, there may be, there may be people on this earth you don't think nothing of, but God may. He was from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, according to God, yep. 
He was approved of God. Look what he says. A man approved of God among you. How did God prove him? By miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also don't act like y'all don't know. Don't act like y'all don't know about that 5,000 that were fed. Don't act like y'all don't know about that man that was walking on water. Y'all heard about it. You knew about it. Some of y'all saw it. Don't act like y'all wasn't at the funeral of Lazarus when they put him in the tomb. And don't act like y'all wasn't there four days later when he come in there and called his name and he come out that grave. You, you know I'm telling the truth. You know I'm right because then y'all wanted to kill Lazarus because he was proof of who Jesus was. Don't act like y'all don't know. You know. Now you got to understand he's speaking to the same crowd that just 50 days before was saying crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. You didn't think much of him, but God proved him by doing miracles through him. Y'all with me? You see, he presents Jesus in verses 22 through 24. He said, let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me introduce you to Jesus. The one God said he was proud of. And he substantiated the message of Jesus through the miracles of Jesus. Him being delivered, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have. But God has raised him up. <laughs> Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Now, watch this, verse 25. He presents Jesus, Right? That's what he said. Let me tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. Let me tell you about his miracles. God proved him. He substantiated it. He established him through these miracles. Now watch this. Now watch this, what he's going to do. He presents Jesus. Now he sets about to prove Jesus. To prove Jesus. Now watch how this works. This is so good. I'm going to buy the tape myself. Say amen. What does he do? In order to prove Jesus, what's he do? You should know this. He goes back to Scripture. He goes back to Scripture. Don't ever tell somebody what you think or what you feel or what you heard. Take them to the Bible. Are y'all with me? Don't let people argue with you. Let them argue with the Bible. Y'all with me? Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Let me tell you about David. Now he's quoting Psalms. He was quoting Joel a while ago. Now he's quoting the book of Psalms. And he goes to prove who Jesus is through, through the exhortation of, and the explanation of Scripture. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. This is in Psalm 16 by the way. 
Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, all right, he, he read his text. All right, now remember, he's preaching. He's preaching. And by the way, this is the first Christian sermon. This is the first Christian sermon, okay? Now, he's read his text. He just read what was in Psalms. Now he's explaining it. This is what needs to happen in churches all over America. Quit coming up with catchy phrases. Quit coming up with catchy series. Read the Bible and explain it. Read the Bible and explain it. Watch what he says. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. He read the text from verses, uh, verses 25 through 28. Now he's going to expound on it. He's going to explain it. He said, let me tell you about David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Here's what he said. These verses... David is not talking about himself because as you and I know, he's still in the grave and we still have his sepulcher with us to this day. So he could not have been talking about himself that he wouldn't be left in the grave and he wouldn't left to corruption. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father would raise him from the dead. So what did he just do? He used Old Testament scriptures to preach the New Testament gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen. He preached Jesus. The very first sermon was about Jesus. The very first sermon was with the scripture, preaching, promoting, presenting proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen. amen. Why did he do that? Because that is the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Are y'all with me? Say amen. This is great. <clears throat> Look what it says. Let's keep on. Let's keep on. He said he's talking about, David wasn't talking about himself. This is his, in his sermon. David wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about Christ. He was talking about Jesus, that Jesus would raise from the dead. Verse 33, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. You know what he's doing now? He's being relevant. He's explaining from the Old Testament scriptures the phenomena of the present day. Do you know what that means? That means the Bible's right. That it endures to all generations. That it's never outdated. That it will work. It worked for my grandfather. It worked for my father. It worked for me. It'll work for my kids. If they ever come around, it'll work for my grandkids. Are y'all with me? He took 
Now, he took scriptures that were written hundreds of years before to show what was going on in the present day. This book will never be outdated. Are y'all with me? Isn't this great? All he did was take the scriptures. The scriptures that people think is irrelevant. The people, people don't think has any power anymore. We've got to help it. No. Just preach it. He proves Jesus. He said, for David, David has not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord. Now watch this. There's two Lords there. The first Lord would be the Father. The second Lord would be the Son. So basically, if we want to put this to help us understand this, David is saying, the Father said unto the Son, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. And guess what's happening right now? He is at the right hand of the Father, and the Father is working his plan out all the way up into the time of tribulation to the end of tribulation that all of the son's foes are going to be at his feet. David's not talking about himself. David is prophesying that Jesus of Nazareth is both Lord and Christ. Amen. Watch this. Therefore, Therefore, now watch this. Now watch what he's doing. Now watch what he's doing. Now remember, this is a sermon. The intro was the spectacular event that got everybody's attention. Then he set it up by presenting Jesus. Let me introduce you to Jesus of Nazareth. Then he takes the word of God and he begins to explain how Jesus was the promised Messiah. How David said he would come and he would raise from the dead. He would not stay in the grave. And and y'all with me? Now we have that that souped up word. Therefore. Now remember? Y'all remember the the, the policy? When you see therefore or wherefore, when you see therefore, you got to go back and read what it's there for. Right? Because of the verses that you just read. In other words, words, what, what Peter's saying, because of what I just got through telling you. Is everybody with me? Because of what I just got through telling you about Jesus of Nazareth. Watch. Man, he's drawing them in. Can you imagine? Can you imagine him sitting and listening to this? Now, let's, let's put it in context. We got, we got some time. Let's put it in context. 50 days. What's that? Month and a half? Almost two months? This was such a spectacular event. There's no way that their minds are not on Calvary. Can you imagine as he's talking about Jesus of Nazareth and instantly their mind goes back to a whipping post. Instantly their mind goes back to Roman soldiers dragging a man through the streets and nailing him to a cross. Instantly, their mind goes back. Their mind goes back 
to seeing this man on the cross that they mocked and said, if you're the Messiah, come down and save yourself. Oh, look what he's done. He saved everybody, but he can't save himself. And they walked by and wagged their heads and mocked him. Instantly, their mind went back to an earthquake in the, in the earth going dark and they couldn't see anything for that period of time. Oh, yeah, they remember. Because nobody ever done anything like Jesus did before his time. There was never a man that spake like this man. No, we'll never forget that. As, G, as he's preaching this sermon, and he's saying, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who you didn't think much of, that you said, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. Therefore, now, now, now they're, they're listening. They're hanging on every word. Where's he going to go with this? What's he trying to say? Hmm. Let's see. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know. He put them all in there. That God hath made that same Jesus. Watch this. Whom ye have both. This brings us to number three. We see the spirit explained. Then what was number two? The savior expounded. Now watch this. The sin exposed. For centuries. Now now look up at me a minute. Look up at me a minute. For centuries. They have been looking for a Messiah. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation, from grandpa and grandma to papa, down to Paul and, and, and to the child, and all the way down. He's sending a Messiah. He's sending a Messiah. God's going to send a hero. God's going to send a deliverer. God's going to send a savior. And they've been looking generation after generation. Listen, century after century, they've been looking for a Messiah. Now, all of a sudden, he is explaining through the scriptures in the Old Testament how he was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the promised one, the promised king, the son of God. Jesus of Nazareth was him, and you killed him. Can you imagine? How many of y'all remember that moment? That moment when you first realized through the preaching of God's word that you was a sinner and God was holding you over hell. How many of y'all remember that moment that all of a sudden you realize I'm a sinner? I'm lost in the fear that grips your soul and grips your heart. And man, you see yourself like you've never seen you before. He said, you killed him. There's sin 
was exposed. And, and ladies and gentlemen, preaching ain't preaching unless our sin is exposed. I know we live in a society and we live in a day where modern a modern preacher is on uh, the Larry King show and he asks if, if, if a certain thing is a sin. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, we, we choose not to talk. Well, you're not a preacher then. Because if it's not exposing the issue, if it's not exposing the real condition of the people, now, trust me, there ain't nobody, there ain't nobody that understands that people don't like this like I do. I have to see it every week. You should have seen the looks I got Sunday. And all I did, all I did was expose areas where we're neglecting God's word and we're not treating it like we should. And you, you thought, You know why? Because nobody wants to have their feelings hurt. Do you know why people will pack out a concert and won't go across the street to preaching? Because a concert's uplifting. It's encouraging. And listen, it will encourage you all the way to hell. If there is no preaching... If there is no exposure of the true condition, you'll never get the next part that we have to get to. Because you cannot get saved until you get lost. And you will never understand your lostness till you understand your sin. Peter wasn't saying this because he hated them people. Peter was saying it because it was the truth. You killed the Messiah. And if we want to get spiritual and we want to get technical with this, guess what? You did too. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. It was all of our sins that put him on the cross. So we're just as guilty as this crowd. Y'all with me? Look, write this down. Sin was exposed. We see the announcement it involved. The announcement it involved. You crucified him. John 16, 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will Say it with me. He will. Say it again. He will. Now watch what that means. Look what the definition of reprove is. Convict. Convince. Tell a. Now what's he going to reprove the world of? Of sin and of righteousness and of. Listen, you're not preaching the Bible Unless you are preaching about sin and about righteousness 
and about judgment to come. What is the job of the Holy Spirit? To convict you. My job is to read the book. The Spirit's job is to go deep into your soul and deep into your heart and convince you and convict you and show you that what that book is saying is true. Y'all with me? For this. Not, not so we can say, we're blessed God, we're a hell, fire and brimstone church that tells the truth. We don't care who it hair lips. If it hair lips the world, we're going to tell the truth. That's not what this is about. There's people that brag on that and they brag on how many people they can make mad and how many people they can offend. And, and how, when they preach on hell, they act like they really want people to go. That's not the point. And that's not the purpose. Matter of fact, I read a man of God that said you should never preach on hell without tears in your eyes. And I believe that. That's not the point. What is the point? Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, when they heard what? About their sin, about their guilt. When they heard that they, what they had done says they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, come on. What do we do? You know why this country ain't getting saved? Because they've never been brought before their real need and their real condition. They, they, listen, the, the communities and the people of this country are not saying what shall we do because they don't think there's nothing that needs to be done. But when you're sitting under the power of a man of God who is delivering the scriptures and he's telling you your true condition that you are lost and you are guilty of the murder of the Messiah, I'm on here to tell you, you're going to say, what do we do? And they're not saying, what do we do? Because it just made them feel pretty good about themselves. He didn't just get through telling them how to, how, to, how to have their best life now. He didn't do that. He just tell them they're guilty. You're a, you are a murderer. For all... y'all notice how he did that? y'all notice how he did that? He said, let me speak to all of Israel. The Bible says, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. This is a universal message. We're all guilty. We're all in need of a Savior. There better be a time in your life when you came to Christ and said, What must I do? But you won't until you get lost. But you can't get lost until someone takes the Bible and shows you are a sinner. Now trust me. I love preaching on stuff y'all like. Because y'all are nicer then. You smile and say man and you shout and woo. I'd much rather see that than this. Right? 
Now, how terrible would I be if I left you die and go to hell and didn't tell you the truth? Right? You see, the point, the point of exposing their guilt and announcing to them, you killed him, was for B. So the activity that's inspired, so they would say, what do we do? What must I do to be saved? What do we do? Then we see the salvation experienced. This is great. Now when they were pricked in the heart. There's another situation we're going to read in a few chapters. I'm, I'm, I ain't going to, Let me just tell you a little bit about it. How many of y'all remember the man Stephen? All right, in a few chapters we're going to get to him. And do you realize he preaches the same message? Basically the same message. And there's two responses. The Bible says in this verse they were pricked in their heart. Right? Look what it says. Verse 38. Or excuse me, verse 37. And they said, what do we do? But in Stephen's case, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And you know what they did with Stephen? They, they bull rushed him. And when they got their hands on him, literally, the Bible says, they gnawed on him with their teeth. They were so angry at his message. And y'all know the rest. They stoned him. Killed him. Same message, two different preachers, but two different responses. And the only difference that I can see in the two situations is the condition of the heart. What do you mean? One was pricked in the heart, and the other was cut to the heart. How do you determine the difference? If you took a knife, if you took a knife, and you took this shirt, and you poked this shirt with a knife, and the the shirt gave, it would only get pricked, because it gave. But if that shirt was stiffened, and you hit that with a knife, what would happen? It would cut it. You see where I'm going? Listen, it's not... When somebody gets angry and bitter and mad and leaves church and say they were offended, it wasn't what the preacher was saying. It was the condition of the heart. You're either going to be pliable and plantable or you're going to be hard. Amen. We'll get to that in a couple chapters. Let's finish this quick. Peter responds. He said, I'm glad you asked. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Say it with me. Say it again. Say it again. Repent. It means a turn. Some people say, well, it just means to change your mind. It means a change of mind that results in a change of action. You say, well, I changed my mind, but you didn't change your action. Well, you didn't change your mind. Y'all with me? And I'm not preaching works for salvation. I'm just telling you, if you get saved, you're going to be different. 
Now watch. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now let's read what happens. Verse 41. Basically, verses 38 through 40 is the invitation. All right, we've seen an intro. We've seen the body of a sermon, how he presented Jesus, how he showed and exposed their guilt. Y'all see how a sermon's built here? Now he's given the invitation. He tells them what they need to do. All right, look what it says in verse 41. Here's the response to the invitation. Then they that gladly, what's that word? Received his word were, and the same day there were added. Three things there. Three things we see. See, received, baptized, added. Okay? All right? Added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, we'll stop there. We'll stop there. Let's look at our notes, and then we'll, we'll jump into the next one next week. First, we see, we see what, what, let's, let's, let's review real quick, real quick. We've got two minutes. We see the Spirit explained. Number two, we see the, the Savior expounded. Number three, we see the sin exposed brought great conviction. They said, what do we do? Number four, the salvation experienced. Write that down. The salvation experienced. All right, what do we see? What do we see in verse 41? Verse 41 gives you a panoramic view of, of Christianity here. First is repentance and faith. The Bible says they received his word. The word receive means accept or basically believe. They believed the preaching of the gospel. Y'all with me? They received it. They repented. They turned from the direction they were going and turned to Christ. They turned from Judaism and they turned to the message of Christ. They believed on Christ. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. That is salvation. That is salvation. Okay? They received or repented in faith. All right? Then B, we see a public profession. A public profession. Verse 41, they were baptized. You say, what is baptism? It's your public profession that you are a believer. Now, we don't understand the significance of this in America. We really don't. In that day, in that day, to, to be publicly baptized, you were basically signing your death warrant. Because in a few, in a few chapters, we're going to find that they, were, they, they began to be persecuted and they began to be chased all over the country and killed for their faith. Now, if we, you're baptized here, we're going to, whoo! But there, you were saying, I am a believer I am connected to this group. I'm a believer. Are y'all with me? You're identifying yourself publicly with the body of Christ. Does everybody understand that? That's baptism. But then we see this. We see church membership. Verse 41. They were added unto them. They were added unto them. Unto who? That original, that original group of believers. The hundred and, what was it, 140, 120? 120. 120 in the, in, in the upper room praying. All right? Now, here's, here's one. I'm, I'm, just, just hang tight with me just a second. For all the people who say, well, I don't believe in church membership, and I don't believe in the, the, the institutional church. 
They did. They kept count. How you know? Because he gave us a number. Official membership. They were added. This specific number was added. He didn't say a bunch of people. He gave the exact number. And the only way you could give the exact number if you were... Y'all with me? And they were added into the original number for the purpose. I'll tell you next week. We're going to look at it. We're going to look at it. Hey, no, no, don't put it up. Don't put it up. I got something else. Now, let's, let's squash. Let's squash some false doctrine. Y'all want to? Now watch. Peter told them how to be saved. They had to repent of their sins and believe on Jesus Christ. They would then give proof of the sincerity of their repentance and faith by being in the name of Jesus Christ. Thus identifying themselves publicly with this Messiah and Savior. And you got to admit, when, when that took place, they would be kicked out of the synagogue. Because that meant they were renouncing Judaism and, and, and following this newfound faith. If that makes sense, say Amen. Only by repenting and believing on Christ could they receive the gift of the Holy or of the Spirit. And this promise was for both Jews and the far-off Gentiles, which we'll get to in a couple more chapters. Now, here's something very important. The Greek word ice, which is translated for in this phrase, when he says, let's go back, let's go back, verse number uh, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Now watch this. This is so important. This word, this word translated can mean on account of or on the basis of. In other words, in Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist baptized on the basis that the people had repented. All right? Does that make sense? He baptized them because they had repented. Now, now, uh, 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 let me back up, back up. In Matthew, okay, Acts 2.38 should not be used to teach salvation by baptism. If baptism is essential for salvation, it seems strange that Peter said under nothing about baptism in any of his other sermons, Acts 3, Acts 5, and Acts 10. In fact, the people in the home of Cornelius received the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, let me say this. Let me, let me explain it this way. All right. In other words, they were not baptized to get saved. They were baptized because they were saved. For instance, for instance, that's, what, that's the use of the word for here. All right. Today, today, I went to the, the first aid kit and got a pain aid for a headache. All right. I didn't take that pain aid to get a headache. I took it for a headache. You see, I'm just trying to help you understand the term. All right. Now, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Are y'all with me? One of the clearest evidences is at Cornelius' house. The spirit of God came upon them and indwelled them before they were ever water baptized. And the Bible says, if you have the spirit, you're in. If you don't have it, you're not. Are y'all with me? And they had it before they were water baptized. 
So here's what we got. First sermon. First sermon. Peter presented Jesus through the scriptures. The power of God was mightily upon it. He exposed their sin and their guilt of killing the Messiah. They said, what do we do? He said, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Repent, believe this message, believe the gospel. What was the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that he presented through the book of Psalms. And they did. And because they did, they were baptized to make a public profession of their repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they were baptized, they were added to the number. You see, that's that's the process. It's salvation, water baptism, Church membership. And some people get that out of order. But you can't. Bat, excuse me. Salvation. Say it with me. Now look at the bottom. Look at the bottom. Real quick. We're out of time. Look at the bottom. Salvation is for deliverance. Baptism is for And membership is for development. I don't need to go to church to be a good Christian. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You got you need development. That's like saying, that's like saying, just just walk to the nursery in the, in the hospital. Walk to the baby nursery in the hospital. Good luck. I love that laugh. That was great. Right? There's not is in a, a, a new Christian a babe in Christ? You see, God designed the baby to go home with a family. Because the baby's going to need protection. The baby's going to need provided for. The baby's going to need nourishment and training and development. You, you, can't, you can't do this without the church. Because it's, anyway, we'll talk about that next week. I'm already seven minutes over. All right, church, say amen. amen. Now listen, how many are jacked up about Bible conference? Woo! I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. Listen, bring somebody with you. Bring somebody with you. I promise you. I, how many of y'all have never heard Dr. Craig Edwards? Never heard Dr. Craig Edwards? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Good, gracious, and mighty. Y'all going to love him. One, he's an incredible preacher. Two, he's a redneck coon hunter. Say amen. Three, he can play any instrument known to man, write songs, just, just a cool dude. Yeah. Humble as can be. You're going to love him. Now, be praying about it. And also, hey, also don't forget Saturday. Saturday, we got our Oasis block party uh, down in the rock. If you've been discouraged, if you've been just dealing with depression or, or feelings of anxiety and that type of thing, uh, matter of fact, uh, Brother Craig is going to be coming, and he wrote a book on what the Christian needs to know about depression. He has fought depression for years and years and years, and he decided if he was ever going to get victory, he's going to study and find out what it's all about. And he wrote a little book called What the Christian Needs to Know. I told him, I asked him if he'd bring some. I hope he remembered. I'll, I'll remind him before he comes. But he's going to be speaking this Saturday night down in the rock at what time? Seven? Is that what time it is? Seven, I think, seven o'clock. So, so I promise you, 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 if you know of somebody, and here's how you do that. If you know of somebody that struggles with depression, say, hey, 
I'm going to go listen to this preacher who has dealt with depression and he's gone through it and, and, and God's given him a measure of victory with it and he wrote a little book about it. I'm going to go check him out. Won't you go with me? Because most people that struggle with that, they're not going to go by themselves. So, well, I don't have no problem with it. Yeah, but you're their friend. Right? So, hey, let's, 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 let's show up and it'll be great. And all God's people say it. Dear Lord, thank you for...